This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and here I speak with fascinating, innovative change makers. We talk about how to make change, meet change, and how to find the courage to create change in your life and with those around you. Bringing new ideas into the mainstream, that's Passing for Normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where my guest today is best-selling author, feng shui, and declutter expert Tisha Morris. And we're going to be talking about the underlying reasons for your cluttered home and how that clutter might be keeping you from living the life you want right now in terms of money, relationships, career, or health. Tisha Morris uses her expertise in feng shui to help others create homes that reflect who they truly are and want to be. She draws upon her experience as an interior designer, business and life coach, and energy healer. She is the founder of the Earth Home School of Feng Shui, the host of Feng Shui Your Life podcast, and the author of five books, including her newly released insightful and extremely helpful book, Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. In this book, Tisha combines all that she practices and knows to bring compassionate insight and easy steps to decluttering and realigning your home and your life. And we're going to learn how right now. So welcome, Tisha. Thank you so much. I uh, need to have you write my copy from now on. That was a fabulous introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I have... Uh, I have gotten so much out of reading your amazing book, and I've uh, told this to you personally, but I want to tell our listeners that what I enjoy about your books, okay, so first I have to admit that I do have, I'm not a hoarder, but I do have a lot of stuff that stays in places that it shouldn't. That's a nice way to put it, right? Um, <laughs> and your book is so compassionate, and your book... Um, it really offers, like I said, the underlying reasons of of what's really going on when I when I can't let go of something or when I can't rearrange my furniture or when things you know stay stuck and and in doing so, you really help things people move in their lives, not just in their in their homes. Thank you. Well, you know, actually, you know, when you write books, you kind of sometimes have people in mind when you're writing a book. And you're kind of actually one of those people, and it's not at all because of the amount of stuff you have by any means. It's actually because you're a very typical person, and we we actually like our stuff. Like, we find value in being in the physical world, enjoying physical things, and you you really enjoy the the physicality of being here. And so I really wanted to make this book approachable for people who, who really enjoy things and, and, and stuff. And so it's not a book about being a minimalist. It's about a book about enjoying the best of the things that you have <laughs> so that you can actually enjoy them within your home as opposed to them um, getting them cluttered up uh, and really making everything in your home uh, at its highest enjoyability. Well, thank you very much for, for writing this book for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get down to it. You say that your home is a mirror for your life, or it's like a snapshot of who you are right now. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, so I could kind of go into anyone's house. Actually, I can just look at a floor plan and tell a lot about someone. But then you go inside, and and 
particularly our stuff, obviously shows so, tells so much tells a story about us. And uh, I would say you can always change your story too by the stuff that you have. <laughs> but our home is basically a second second skin, second layer of skin to us. It holds our emotions, it holds our thoughts, it holds all of our patterns. And this is why, you know, working in the home, making changes in the home can have an immediate um, impact on changing our life. It really is the same energetic soup uh, of our own, our, our, the good, bad, and ugly of us <laughs> is all floating around in our home. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, you know, these are also some of some basic feng shui principles as well as, you know, changing your life by, you know, changing your home. But also uh, the, 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 our stuff, our, our possessions also tell a lot about us as well. And they hold a lot of memories uh, and thoughts, thought patterns as well. And so that's why decluttering can make a really um, quick, I've actually found it to be Quick. I mean, I've done a lot of energy modalities um, in my career, and I've actually found decluttering to be the quickest way to make change because you really are releasing old emotions or old thought patterns. It's really very powerful work, and sometimes even you know gets underestimated in just how much energy we're shifting when we do it. Um, but then again, that's why a lot of people kind of avoid it as well, because it can bring up a lot of emotion that we don't want to have to look at or deal with. But it's actually very, very uh, therapeutic or cathartic, whatever word you want to use for it. I use the word energy healing. It's energy healing, basically. Right. And so this is what you're talking about a lot in the book is is the underlying reasons why we're holding on to our things or why it's just so difficult to even dive into that pile or open up that closet that there that the clutter is actually covering up something that there's a diff there's a, a deeper reason a different emotion that is really the thing that needs to be addressed as much if not more yeah. than the the boxes yeah and the reason why is because what i have found with clients is as soon as they get to the reason of why they're holding on to something, then the actual letting it go is actually really easy. They're, the, the, we're searching for, whether we know it or not, we're searching for, the, we need to know why, why um, what really is going on with this item before I toss it into a goodwill bag. There's an there's a internal dialogue going on within us that we don't even know about. And actually once you realize, oh, this is, uh, this is, brings up memories of when me and my sister were in Florida as kids and I got, you know, uh, stung by a stingray, <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> a lovely memory. Yes. And, <laughs> and so once we can realize, Oh, that's the emotion going on. Then it's like, okay, it's, it's gone. Easy. easy, easy. And, um, so that's why I spend pretty much most of the book, um, helping, the reader discover what's really going on. And, um, and like you mentioned, it, it can and oftentimes does bring out a lot of emotion. And that's actually what we're, what we're needing, to, what we're needing for the release uh, emotionally and to physically let go of the item. So yeah, it's, it's a lot more than just um, putting clothes in a Goodwill bag. Um, although sometimes there are easy object, you know, easy items that are 
um, that we don't have such emotional attachment to to get rid of. And those things I always recommend people do first to kind of, kind of get energy moving uh, before you move on to the <laughs> very emotionally triggering items. Right. So going along with your present, you know, with your premise that, you know, those shirts in my closet that I just really feel like have nothing to do with me anymore. Those are not hard to get rid of. I can get rid of those. It's, it's that, um, like you talk about in your book, it's that business suit that rep or the, that, you know, uh, many business suits that represent my identity, like a former identity, let's say I had a, you know, fabulous corporate job or, you know, fabulous job where I needed to wear suits. And now I'm not doing that anymore, whether by choice or, or by being downsized. Um, and I'm still holding those suits in my closet because somehow, well, I, all I know is I can't get rid of them, but what you're trying to do (laughs) is illuminate for me the reason why they're still sitting in my closet, even though I don't wear them. That's right. Exactly. And yeah, I give an example in the book about my, my last law business suit and, um, and realizing, and I got to the root of it finally. And it wasn't just about, I'd let go of being an attorney like years ago. That was like an identity. I was really ready to let go of, but, but I dug deeper. And this is the case for most people and most items that, that hold a lot of weight is that it wasn't just being an attorney. It was being, financially smart it was being financially solid it was me it was being accepted by mainstream by my family it was a lot of identities that were underneath the surface of being an attorney and what's funny is we often with those types of items we disguise it with excuses and just in case is the most common excuse i'm going to keep this suit just in case i need to go um to court or like some kind of like random or like, uh, which meanwhile, like it's like going out of fashion each day, like <laughs> exponentially. <Yes. laughs> and even if I did need it just in case, like I'm fashion conscious enough to where I would not wear that suit again. And so I had to, you know, get really honest with myself, you know, what's, what am I really hanging on to? And, and what we're really talking about here is the ego. The ego wants the um, vice grip to these identities and but here's where the real payoff is for 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 decluttering is that when you let go of these old identities that are really no longer in your present world uh it's taking up space it's taking up energetic space in your present life and so once i got rid of that suit my holistic business uh that next week i had more client calls than i had uh in the, in the past, um, by far. And so it allowed my present identity of being a holistic practitioner or energy healer at the time, uh, to really all that energy to come into the present. So there really is a payoff with, with decluttering. It's not just about, uh, dredging up the past, you know, it's, it's dredging up the past, but it is to let it go so that you can be more in your present and the future life that you want to be in. So do I have to know who I want to be next in order to let go of who I was or and the things that represent that? Um, that's a great question because, um, you know, oftentimes there is a gap. And, uh, of course, what we're talking about is transitions, and which your book, Changeability, is all about this. Uh, <laughs> we're we're uh, inevitably changing and evolving um, whether we want to or not and whether this can show up in 
jobs, of course, relationships that um, end, but the new one hasn't come in. And so there's a gap period, whether it's a day or a month or many years. Um, same with the job. And, you know, if you lost a job um, and you haven't found a new job, there's a, there's a major gap in which, you know, there is a time in which uh, that's, that's a very fragile time uh, where the identity really is searching for who am I. Uh, and it, and it doesn't have to be just job or relationship. A lot of times when we move to a new city or, you know, any kind of major change, when there is that transition period, the identity is, is, is like up for grabs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's probably not the, it can be a good time to declutter and that to kind of free up some space for the new to start um, showing itself because a lot of times uh, that actually will help kind of bring clarity because uh, clutter is basically distraction. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it really distracts us from the present. And a lot of times, a lot of times that is the reason why uh, people have an extraordinary amount of things. But, um, but to your point, you know, it, it is, there is a, there is a gradual transition from the old to the new and there's a can be a a real gap there but once we're kind of like you know really settling into the new it's important to kind of you know look at uh or to or to manifest the new use a a relationship as the example um one of the best ways to if, if someone is struggling with attracting in a new relationship is letting the old one go completely and this can be uh, decluttering items from the old relationships, old photos, um, cards that were exchanged, um, gifts, and things like that. I, hold, I have a whole chapter in my book about past relationships. Um, so, you know, sometimes we do have to let go of the old completely in, or, in order for the new to come in because it's all about energetic space. We only have so much energetic space. Um, there's only so many identities we can we can uh, without completely going schizophrenic <laughs> right and and you know i mean people ask me a lot in the work that i do with changeability and helping people adapt to making change or changes that come to them is how do you sit in that empty space you know how do you sit in that empty space before the new comes in you know what are the yeah. what are the ways in which we we uh, can stay open or sit in that, you know, we gave away all our furniture. Okay. Now but I don't have new furniture yet. You know, how do I yeah, literally sit in it? Right? Yeah. How do I literally sit in the open space, inhabit the, you know, extend myself, expand myself. A lot of times people find that, Oh my gosh, I can breathe now. You know, there's room to breathe yeah. in this room or, or I kind of like it. It's like, it's like camping in my own living room. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it creates a novelty sometimes, you know, that people are so set in, we're so set in how we live. And like you say, the patterns of how we live and that literally changing up um, our environment can uh, bring in refreshment and bring in new yeah. ideas or bring in more creativity in just how we are living in this space, period, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you can probably speak to this as much as I can about how people you know, deal with change. I think some people are more gradual uh, and other people more like cold turkey. You know, mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of everything. This is this is the past. I'm moving on. Other people, it might take some time and, and I'm thinking of relationships in this, in this context. And uh, for some, it might, and actually, here's the thing. 
we can use our items for decluttering as a as a way to grieve the old. Okay, in this, but it's a relationship or a person who's passed on. Um, it's the same it's the same grieving process, and so you know you can you can kind of look at how much stuff do I have from this previous previous relationship. And I'm not talking about just like furniture. I'm talking about cards, you know, um, you know, very sentimental things um, as well can be a part of this. It doesn't have to be the sofa necessarily, although that can sometimes be a trigger for people. But you can you can look at these items and use them as a way to let go of that relationship and or to keep hanging on. It's yes. information, you know. It's information. Am I ready or am I not? And that's okay either way. But just knowing, you know, being honest with yourself. Well, like, you know, sometimes when people have lost someone that they love, they've lost a spouse or a partner, someone who they shared a space with, you know, or mm-hmm. like, you know, someone who's very close to you, a parent. And I find that immediately there's this desire to have their things and hold their things and bring their things into the house or to not let go of them or to have a difficulty with cleaning the closet and moving it on. Some people clean the closet right away. It's like I have found that people either have to clean the closet right away or then it's going to take months and months. But it is a way to feel connected with that person, sometimes even through the smell, right? I mean, you know. Absolutely. And um, and that is comforting. That can be comforting to people to be able to still, you know, feel the fabric or smell the smell. But what I found is that there comes a time, whenever that time is, that the item loses its valence. It loses its charge. It's no longer my father's special shirt. It's just a shirt that I'm hanging on to, right? And yeah. and so when that energy withdraws or isn't as present in that item, it's easier for me to let it go, right? or recognizing right. that that relationship exists someplace else. That relationship doesn't have to be reminded by that chair or by that shirt. That relationship has exists someplace else in my heart. Exactly. I think you just, exa- you spelled out exactly uh, very well of, of how you can see how items are evidence of the grief process. So as it is that item, is that shirt goes through that metamorphosis of from, um, you know, really hanging on to it for the smell to becoming just a shirt. That is the physical evidence of how you have made, how, how you have progressed through the grief process. And, uh, and that may have been days, months or years of how, how long that took to get there. And um, I have a whole chapter in the book about the grief process. And I, I borrow, um, a lot from the from the five five stages of grief, and uh, but make the point that th- these five stages apply to any loss, uh, job loss, relationship, any any kind of loss. And I feel like our culture really doesn't understand grief and how to grieve, and um, and and we just want to skip on to the next thing. But really, that's just another band aid, another layer that we're covering up. And this is actually becomes clutter, um, the physical physical aspects of this, because we don't release the old identity. We don't um, really, and so we just have layers of stuff um, evidencing these layers of moving on without the letting go process. And I'm, mm. um, 
I remember, and you're, you're my and my first interview with you on the Passing for Normal podcast. We talked a lot about the the cycles of change, which mirrors the five element cycle. And yes. you know, the accumulation of, of bringing in items um, and the outflow of items. Should be there should be a balance of what's coming into our life and what's letting mm-hmm. go, and the letting go we've kind of we've kind of don't understand how to do that as a culture, and uh, this is really I think at the heart of our clutter epidemic that are just having uh, too much stuff. Um, in gen- generally speaking, yeah. So the inflow and outflow are not are not matching up. <laughs> right, and if you think of that in terms of breath, it's the it's the breathing in, 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 yes. without letting the breath go out, right? It's that, yes. keep breathing in because it's scary to let it go. Yes. It's scary to actually release into the atmosphere what is my breath without knowing what's going to come back in. Again, it comes back to this fear of the unknown. You know, if I if I clear my space, if I empty my lungs, what's going to come in? <laughs> Is something going to come back? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, in your demonstration and just now, like the end breath, what immediately what I felt inside me was feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And this, I believe, is the quintessential um, emotion that we have in our culture, at least in the Western world or United States right now, is overwhelmment. And because we're just inhaling, 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 taking in, taking in, whether it's information, um, uh, you know, social media, and of course this is mirrored in our homes as well with our stuff. It's a constant in breath of and feeling overwhelmed. Uh, so yeah, I think a big. We all need a big exhale right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need a big. So let's go there for a minute because in your book you also talk about digital clutter. You know, not just the clutter that's sitting on my desk, but the clutter that's inside my computer or in all of my electronics and the need to, because, you know, some people don't even keep paper files right now. It's all in their computer, but it doesn't mean that it's all organized. It's another way for it to be out of sight, out of mind. So can you talk a little bit about digital clutter? Yeah, And how to work with it? it? Yeah, yeah. It's our next clutter epidemic. And, uh, you know, this is, going to be the case for for the younger generations for sure um and you know i believe so i i kind of categorize clutter into two big categories visual clutter and then the non-visual clutter and you know there's there's a lot to be said and there's tons of studies out now that correlate you know having a cluttered office or desk or a room really does distract the mind i call that visual clutter of just stuff sitting out and but then there's a whole other uh, realm of kind of this invisible clutter. And even if it's behind closet doors or in your computer files, the subconscious mind is still very aware that it's there. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, not, it's not out of sight, out of mind. Um, so it's, it's improved in that it's not in our visual sight, but it's still taking up uh, energetic space uh, in, our, in, our, in our energetic bodies, in our emotional and mental states. I call the visual clutter or, or this kind of stuff sitting out. This is our kind of the 3D world. And then we have this whole cloud that's what I call kind of the fourth dimension and it's our mental space. And and so 
in the same way where I was talking about releasing things from past relationships, whether it's photos or cards, this all still applies with your Instagram account, your Facebook account, your photos mm-hmm. on your phone, the photos that you've uploaded to whatever photo site. Um, all of those are still very active in um, in our subconscious mind. We know they're there, and so they aren't um, hidden. <laughs> um, as far as what to do about it, you know, it's a practice just like um, just like keeping your your home or office, um, you know, kind of clutter free. It's just something. It's again, it's that outflow, it's the the exhale that is necessary. Um, I, I I when I'm like the times I find to do my own decluttering, digital decluttering, or times when I find myself waiting in a waiting room or. Uh, I find being on a plane a really good time to organize, uh, to declutter and organize my computer files. Uh, so it's really there is a there is a bit of a discipline that has to take place uh, to keep these areas decluttered as well. Yeah, I have to say that I find decluttering often exhausting. It's that yeah. sorting, it's the sorting process. It's not the actual letting go. It's just the deciding, keep it, lose it. The fact that I even have to look at it again, you know, like I'm talking about all the emails that pile up since we're talking about digital clutter. It's like, I don't want to have to look at them again. It's exhausting for me to have to go through it. So what do you say to that? Yeah. Well, Tough I Tough luck, think- Sharon. <laughs> well i hear see even even though you are you're saying you're approaching on a mental level there's still emotion emotions exhaust us if we're not aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. like even the even the question of to keep this email or to not keep this email is pretty loaded and emotions come up of whether you're aware or not of well, I probably should keep this because so-and-so, such-and-such. I mean, there's this, probably a story that's going on, okay. and it probably comes back around to self-worth on some level. Okay, so I, I'm thinking, okay, it's a lot of, well, I should have taken action on this uh, on this environmental yeah. issue. I should have written my, you know, senator about this. I should have, right? So I saved them yeah. because... I thought I would get to it later. And so there's also that feeling of, ooh, I didn't get to it later. And now I'm bad. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're yeah, beating me. yourself up. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like a $10 off coupon for an oil change right. can bring up like, <laughs> like, oh man, I should have done that. Or now I'm so overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, it's adding one more thing to my plate. You mm-hmm. know, um, <laughs> is it worth keeping the coupon or not? And, you know, so it's it's more than a mental exercise. It's there's stories that we create from it. Um, yes. But and I think that I think that exhaustion is where that sits. And this is what I love about you and your book is that you you really do think through or present all of these different possible scenarios, all of the excuses, all of the things that we say to each other, and you have such compassion for. Um, for us having them in the first place and then how to, um, how to deal with them. You know, you're not piling more judgment on the judgment (laughs) I already have about not taking action on that email. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've walked my talk. I've, I've, I've been through so many decluttering, major decluttering 
phases of my life, which mirror the different phases of my life. And, you know, the biggest one was where I, I sold everything that I owned and uh, besides what would fit in my hatchback <laughs> and, uh, and came to Cal- came to California. Um, and so, you know, relationship, you know, relationships has always been my big, my big hot topic for me. Um, and so I have found that decluttering the past relationships has made exponential difference in moving on and moving forward. And, uh, so I, you know, I, I guess, if, I guess I, the good news is I have compassion for myself through the process, at least in hindsight, and, uh, can provide that for, for readers as well. Well, it's so uh, beneficial, but let's talk about relationships for a moment. So we're talked about, you know, um, letting go of, of items from past relationship, but what about shared space? Because most people don't live alone, right? You're sharing the space with somebody else and the clutter that's building up may not be your own. So how do you speak to that? Yeah, great, great, great point. And I speak a lot of this in terms of feng shui. This comes up a lot with people um, when I work with feng shui with my students or clients. And they, um, yeah, it comes up a lot in feng shui because we always use what's called the boggle map, and I won't get into that, but where you kind of see where the your parts of your life is and you realize and you do it that your, you know, your love corner is in your roommate's room. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> or your money corner is in your teenage son's room. And, and so... Um, and so it's similar with with clutter. You know, it's our home is as we started out this conversation is a mirror of yourself. And even when you have a shared space, it's still a mirror for yourself. It is. Um, there are well, when I find with in feng shui, nothing's by ever by accident. Um, if the money corner is in the teenage son's room, then it's most likely all the expenses are going toward the teenage son. Hmm. Um, and if the love corner is in the roommate's section, then uh, she's taking up space in your own uh, love, your own uh, relationship in some way. And so, um, you know, it's not never by accident of who we end up living with, whether it's a random roommate off Craigslist or if it's someone we're related to. These are all very, these are all aspects of ourselves. And, and so it's, if you have a messy roommate, you know, you have, you have you're a match to that in some way, and so I think it it can be very frustrating. If um, and actually this happens a lot with couples. Uh, the, I have boy couples and clutter is a hot topic usually within yeah. about ten minutes of any workshop I ever give. This is like the first <laughs> the first question the first that's, issue that comes right. up. <laughs> uh, so I think you were just talking about cohabitation in any in any form and how to live with people that are you know it's the um, the uh uh oh, what's that movie from a long time ago <laughs> the odd couple yeah uh, the show the odd couple <laughs> yes uh-huh. you know it's <laughs> this kind of is a metaphor for um relationships in general whether it's a relationship or a, or a family member or a roommate we attract we often attract the opposite and it's just yin and yang finding a way to balance itself out and but yin and yang are usually flip side of the same coin so the messy one might just be an aspect of um, of a creative expression that the the one wishes it had. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a an underlying common denominator if you look hard enough. Uh, and so, on a more but on a more practical level, you know, I encourage. Uh, you know, there's 
boundaries that have to be set up in houses in, in the household and that you know if you hopefully each person has their own space in which they can have their own expression in whether it's completely a big mess or being really anal and neat um and then you have the common spaces with that you actually share the living room the kitchen and so forth and and so that's usually where you know some agreement has to come, has to take place and and if it's not then that's where some karma within the relationship will definitely play out and for for things to be worked out and the the clutter or space is just a is just a, a mirror of the relationship in some way and so when with couples who have disagreements over clutter it's just a it's just a manifestation of something in the relationship and they're just using the clutter as kind of the conduit to work through it aha uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you just wanted me to say how about a person get rid of their stuff <laughs> yeah really <laughs> um well i'm so sorry but our time is almost up but i do want to um I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Um, so your last chapter in the book is clutter clearing step-by-step. Step. So you, you know, you not only identify the underlying issues, but you really give people some steps, some practical steps as to how to start moving uh, their home into more of a reflection of who they want to be right now. So can you just tell us a few steps, a few of the things that uh, might be easy ways to start? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah that is the, definitely the roll up your sleeves chapter and and uh, you know have have materials on hand. You need to have boxes or bags and um, you know have materials so that you can actually once you you know get all the stuff out of the closet, it's not just not sitting in a in a room and creating a big mess to where you feel even more chaotic. Uh, so get your organization. It does take a bit of organization, and it, but it's. it's nothing that's very difficult. Um, I recommend kind of um, categorizing as your, like say you're doing your clothing closet, have a pile for uh, definitely giving away, have a pile for um, if you have any kind of desire to resell clothing, have a resale pile, um, have a giveaway pile, and then have an undecided pile. And that's the, that's the, the shirt from college that you can't decide on and like the ones mm-hmm. that the stuff that does bring up the emotion and just kind of put that aside in its own pile. So it doesn't uh, cog up the wheel of your decluttering project. Okay. And then you can come back to that later because what typically happens is you come across that shirt and you don't even want to deal with it. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, I think I'll run to the store, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, put those, those items aside and do those last, um, while you, well, meanwhile, you can get some stuff out of the house. Uh, that's one of my biggest recommendations. Uh, the quicker you can just clear up, free up some space, you're going to feel instantly better, and it's going to give you more energy and more motiv- motivation, motivation to keep going. Yeah, well, that is wonderful. So, Tisha, how can people find you and your very helpful book? Uh, my website is tishamorris.com. You can also get there with clutterintervention.com and my uh, book you can buy it pretty much everywhere definitely on Amazon uh, and yeah um, I'll mention I have a upcoming uh, certification course for feng shui in LA 
um, April 20th through the 22nd. So if anyone's listening and interested in, in that, that is, will be available. Um, on my website, you can take a nine-day clutter intervention program that kind of goes along with the book. Um, you can take it for free. If you purchase the book, you can just put in the little code on the website and take that for free when you're when you are ready to kind of do a little bit of a nine-day boot camp. Um, so yeah, everything can be found at tishamorris.com. Wonderful. Well, Tisha, I always learn so much from speaking with you. Um, not just the how-to steps, but really the why it's happening in the first place, and and <laughs> um, uh, you know just so much about about how life works. Um, and how we can how we can move our lives through uh through uh moving our stuff and and um reshaping uh what's in our homes. So you are wonderful. I thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and I uh, hope everyone goes out and uh get your book and doesn't just let it clutter on the shelf but actually <laughs> reads it and puts it to good use. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sharon. It's always such a pleasure. Great. Thank you. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Whether creating something new or responding to a changing world, navigating change is the new stability.